I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, hard choices for the Bay Area's restaurant industry, which has been hit especially hard by the coronavirus. One of our favorite guests is back on the podcast to talk about it. Justin Phillips is the co-host of the Extra Spicy podcast with Soleil Ho, and he's here to talk about how these businesses are or aren't coping. We're also going to talk about Justin's story about food-making robots from ThruLine, the Chronicle's weekly look at our post-pandemic future. Find that in a special print section every Sunday and at sfchronicle.com slash throughline. Justin, thanks for coming back. Man, I don't think I've ever had an intro that, that is that good. That is a phenomenal <laughs> <long>. intro. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a long one, but it was, it was worth it. It was worth the wait, the listen. Oh, man, it's great to talk to you again. It's great to see you. I'm looking at you on Zoom right now. You look yeah, great. Yeah, we're, we're high tech. Have you been going out to a lot of restaurants? Have you been enjoying the uh, patio version of your favorite restaurants? I'll be honest. I, this is the thing that we talk about in the food section all the time. Um, it's been very limited, right? I still, still feel nervous as a food writer to be out and about, especially like in crowds. So I've been picking and choosing uh, where I'll go, what I'll do. So it's been, it's been limited, but it's been enough to be active, I guess. Okay, but do you feel like it's work or, or is there something that's being satisfied when you get out? Like, was there something you've been missing by getting out into these spaces? Is there so? What, what am I missing? I think the thing that I'm missing the most, uh, the thing that I miss the most is kind of the, the intimacy of going out, like being able to spend time with people. I don't miss, like, for example, I'm going uh, to low-key humble brag real quick, Damien. I... Like going to dinner with Soleil, I told her once, I didn't miss like actually going to French Laundry, (laughs) (laughs) but what I missed was the drive from San Francisco to wine country to go because we would just, you know, talk about everything. I missed that. I would miss like after dinner being able to talk about what happened. Like, you know, the, uh, the environments and stuff are great, but I just miss being able to speak to people, being able to have those fun moments and, uh, and just catching up. Like that's the thing that, that, that I loved about restaurants. Oh man. Thanks. I, th- I think my French laundry invite must've got lost in the mail. huh, Justin? <laughs> she, uh, so she took me because she couldn't reach you. Apparently. Uh, I think that, think that's what it was. Your phone might've been off. All right. Well, you, you've been obviously been talking when you go to restaurants or just in your work, talking to a lot of restaurateurs, a lot of chefs, how are they doing? Um, it's been an, probably the roughest time they've ever had. Yeah, it's un- unprecedented. I the industry is is flipped upside down. You know, no one's making money. Um, everyone's scrambling to adjust. The longer that the city goes and our uh, the counties in the Bay Area go without indoor dining, um, these restaurants that you know, especially like the spacious ones, have to figure out how to, I hate using this word, but pivot to kind of generate revenue of any kind. Rent is still due. They, you know, they still have to pay employees. Um, If they do open, if they've had a staff before of 30 and now they're down to four, they have to figure out how to function that way. It's, there's nothing pretty about, the restaurant industry was never a glamorous thing. You know, most chefs never got into it to make a ton of money. But right now, it's uh, it's kind of exposed how hard it is for owners and for workers. 
Yeah, there was something in your piece that really stuck with me, which was that not only do restaurants, you know, they're tired of the the money situation, they're tired of having to deal with workers who they would love to be employing full time, but they're also tired of being the mask police. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, I don't know if you've heard about this, there are some people who prefer not to wear a mask when they go out, and that's just a thing. And so a lot of these owners have to... Uh, even if they're even if the diners are eating outside, which they're allowed to do right now in the city, the owners will come up, you know, or servers will come up and request that they put on a mask if they're interacting with an employee. Because um, when you're not eating, you're supposed to have it covering your mouth. But some people just the transition of like drinking something, eating something can be kind of cumbersome for them. So they, you know, get upset about it. And there's a little bit of a dispute. And if you mix in a couple of glasses of wine, this group is with people they haven't seen in a while, maybe. Or let me say, they're with people in their uh, in their pandemic bubble, but they're getting the chance to eat out. They might get upset about it. You know, it's a the 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 restaurant employees and owners don't want to have to wrestle with people about these safety protocols. But uh, yeah, it's never an easy conversation, apparently. Yeah, I feel like that's something that goes beyond restaurants. Some people seem to enjoy being the mask police, and, and some people don't. I mean, obviously, people should be wearing masks. Yeah, yeah. But the process of getting people to wear them is uh, can get pretty political. Yeah, it really can. It's not just, uh, yeah, it's political. That, that's That's what some of them said. That makes it tough. So, Justin, where I'm at, and you know that I live in Petaluma. You're right. Um, you know, all the restaurants seem to be doing, doing things differently. Some of them have these great outdoor spaces. Some don't. It seems unfortunate that they don't. Some have a parking lot maybe they can convert. Some are doing, trying to do a big business, and then others have decided to sit it out. Mm. And you've talked to people in various sides of that. Why are some people deciding to just sit it out till the end? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. They So think of it this way. Operating costs are already high. Um, if you have a space that's kind of big, you need... Uh, more than average, more than the average number of employees to run it. Um, let's go back to that number 30 again. So you need 30 employees to run like a really big business. Um, if you open back up for limited service, you're going to have to hire some of those back and probably a good deal of them just to keep the place clean, just to get operations up and running, um, more than what you would technically need for the amount of customers that actually come. So you never break even with it. Right. And some places just like, you know, even with takeout delivery, um, if I mix in a little bit of the indoor service, I'm just I'm not going to make the amount of money I need. Like I was already in the hole before this. Um, this isn't going to make that much of a difference. So they, you know, instead of spending money to be operating while losing money, they're just kind of closing. Uh, some places are temporary. Um you know, we have a running list at the Chronicle of restaurants that have closed permanently, like everywhere from like Nopalito to, you know, there's this uh, 11-year-old like salon and falafel shop in Oakland called Liba that closed. It's just so many places that are, you know, that make that tough decision to, to shut it all down. All right. Before we take a break, 
I want to ask you about Extra Spicy, your podcast. My favorite moment so far, I must say, was was your idea for a new restaurant, which was the condiment spot. <laughs> yeah. The, co- the, co- Bring your the own condiment food. house. Yeah. I'm not going to sell it. Bring your own food. <laughs> right. You provide the uh, ketchup and, uh, and relishes and things like that. I thought it was brilliant. Not great for the pandemic. Right, right, right. By the way. I'll say this. If that place ever opens, I can tell you now, it won't be cheap. I'm going to make money hand <laughs> over fist. Um, yeah, Extra Spicy is a podcast that I do with our restaurant critic, uh, Soleil Ho. And I mean, you know, she's just a powerhouse in all aspects. And it's she and I have a great uh, personal relationship. And so we get to banter a little bit. Um, I've been doing this for a handful of years now. So I have, a, I've, you know, relatively good relationships with most people. So we can get a lot of good people on. Soleil has her friends and people that she knows that she can get on. And we do great interviews. And Uh, talk trash to each other and it's pretty wonderful well it's been great uh, to find it get it wherever you get fifth admission and wherever you get other podcasts Uh, check it out we'll be right back this fifth admission with justin phillips welcome back to fifth admission i'm damian bulwa joined by justin phillips one of our food writers and a columnist at the chronicle um, we we want to talk about your piece, Justin, uh, for Throughline, which is a special section in the Chronicle. You can find it every Sunday or at sfchronicle.com slash throughline. You have a piece about our robot future in restaurants. And I have to tell you that um, whenever I think about robot restaurants, I think about a picture, I believe it was snapped by John King at the Chronicle, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a uh, robot cafe. And it said, uh, help wanted <laughs> in large letters on the window. And um, it, it was just incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know who was uh, strolling or rolling in there for that job. <laughs> I mean, you know, we forget how taxing this pandemic is for the robots, too, man. They got to, you know, they got to <laughs> figure out what to do. So before the pandemic, we were obviously headed in uh, a certain direction. Um, automation and kind of like fancy high-end uh, restaurant technology were already, they were niche, but they were becoming, they were growing outside of that. Like people started seeing like, oh, this is a trend. Now maybe it's a kind of a necessity if I want to keep up looks, like keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. And then uh, the pandemic hits where social distancing is um, paramount and, uh, you know, places aren't making money, so they have to cut staff. Um Automation is just the thing. It's a necessity, basically. It has transitioned into a necessity. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to see how quickly it's grown. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a necessity now, but what was it before? It seemed to appeal to certain people, maybe uh, in the tech industry, maybe people who don't like other people touching their food. Maybe, Yeah, or may- maybe they're one and the same. Or how about this? I think... So if you think about Cafe X, which is the local uh, coffee business that really blew up a couple of years ago because they had the mechanical arm, basically. By the way, our definition of robot is very low. You know, you can't just call it a kiosk, <laughs> but robot, robot's a little bit better. Um, but it's a mechanical arm that, you know, would pour coffee. Uh, they programmed it even to, like, wave at people and stuff. And, you know, that's not to say, I don't know what everyone's opinion of it was i don't know if people were you know 
screaming about how great the Cafe X coffee was. But that being able to go to that robot, say you had gone there and like get a cup of coffee in that in that manner was really popular. Um, and I think it was just people that were interested in trying something new. Like if you think about San Francisco as being a place where everyone loves to stand in lines, right? Like if you start a line that goes to nothing, odds are 20 feet back, people will just get into it because they think something's on the other end. It's the same thing with like new age technology at restaurants. Sometimes, you know, even if someone doesn't like the food that's being served or they're not a coffee fan, they may go anyway just for that robotic experience to say they've gone. But if there's one thing that's that's bad about both the pandemic and this trend, it seems like the workers. Yeah, it's it's really tough on them. Uh, You know, I don't even know if I can put into words how tough it is for them in that industry. This industry was never easy for employees. Uh, Working in restaurants is a grind, an absolute grind. And some people, you know, work multiple jobs. They have side hustles. Um, with all of these places closing, you know, you have a massive billion-dollar workforce in California that uh, is left with nothing, really, you know? And I don't know. I don't even know if I can quantify how tough that is, but, um, you know, some places... Yeah, people think it's so glamorous, right? People think being a, a line chef is a is really glamorous uh, I mean, profession. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like media and stuff, like, you know... Maybe shows show it as just some, and it can be cool. Like you know, that's a that's a very tight knit group. Like if you work in a restaurant with other people, or you're in a restaurant industry kind of lifer, or you've been doing it for years, like it's a it can feel like home because all your friends work in that too. So there's that element of it. But the hours are tough. Like the work is not easy. You're on your feet, um, and you know, and we've written multiple stories about this. The pay could be much better for these people. You know, there's disparity between like who gets the front of house positions, back of the house positions. Like it's always the industry just always been uh, really taxing for workers. So a few months into the pandemic, are we already seeing restaurants pivot? Oh, I used that word pivot that you didn't like earlier. Are we, but we, already, are we <laughs> no, already seeing restaurants e- either open or make huge changes? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's... There's no there is no going back to business as normal. Um, so what you are seeing uh, a lot of are pop ups like restaurants that are doing temporary setups in other locations. Um, you'll see some that may strip down, you know, their menus and do like sandwiches and things like that. Uh, menus are shifting to be more friendly to takeout and delivery options. Um, you're seeing, <laughs> I feel like pizza business in the city is doing really well uh because you know it's takeout and delivery friendly and yeah i mean i i feel like every restaurant at some point has tried its hand whether through food or operations to um you know to try to make it work right now and a lot of times it's them shifting their menus all right i'll put you on the spot for a last question what's the best pizza in the bay area Ooh, this one's tough the best pizza in the bay area Oh, man. I feel like the easy answer would be, you know, to say flour and water or something, any pizza from there. Um, I am going to give you a little bit more of a vague slash specific answer. I am enjoying the increase in Detroit style pizza 
out here. Square Pie Guys, for example, mm. um, is one of the more popular spots. Uh, Tony Giamatti's, like, Tony has done, you know, Detroit-style pizza, but it is, like, hefty with lots of bread. Um, I And I bread is my favorite part of pizza, to tell you the truth. Like, you know. But, uh, but I think places that are doing good Detroit-style pizza out here, and I think Square Pie Guys is one of them. That might be my favorite uh pizza right now all right i'll have to check it out yeah it's pretty good so justin what's up next for you what what do we have to look forward to oh man uh the just people keep listening to the extra spicy podcast i feel like uh you know we're getting better and just keep going up so you can listen to that and then I have my weekly column that I'm writing, uh, focusing on, you know, focuses on black culture in the Bay Area, but, uh, you know, expands to include a variety of topics. I'm still learning and growing with that one, too. I am still doing food stories, uh, like you mentioned, with like the through line piece and the other one about how chefs are, um, you know, adjusting during the pandemic, all that kind of stuff. So I'm around, man, you know. I'm around. Yeah, I wanted to mention um, you wrote the uh, the other day a, a powerful column about racial covenants that are still in real estate contracts in the Bay Area. Right. And then um, I can't remember whether I sent you a message or you sent me a message, but a group of senators uh, and assembly people came out and said they were going to uh, get rid of them with legislation later this year. So that was incredible. Yeah. How about that? Journalism, uh, journalism with a capital J. Getting things done, even outside the restaurant business. Yeah, man. Justin, thanks again for coming in. I appreciate it. It's always fun. Always fun, Damien. I appreciate it, man. Thanks to my guest today, reporter and columnist Justin Phillips, who's also the host of the Extra Spicy podcast with food critic Soleil Ho. To read his latest on food robots, go to sfchronicle.com slash throughline. Thanks to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.